Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Now more than ever, America's solidarity with Taiwan is crucial. Well, the White House wouldn't even back up the speaker for going to Taiwan. We do not support Taiwan independence. Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. A reckless tax and spending bill. It's the weather. It is very, very hot. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views and a lot to talk about. Pretty good night last night for Donald Trump and uh, his primary endorsements. I can't remember what the number is, but the number of Republicans that voted to impeach him, I think it, I think it was 10 and something like seven have fallen, three more to go, I think is what Trump said. I'm, I'm pulling from memory here, but uh, overall... It looks like Trump might be getting the last laugh. We were talking before we went on the air, this pro-life amendment in Kansas, which did not pass. And I, I read a couple of opinion pieces on that today. And some people were saying, well, you know, it's not over yet for your pro-lifers in Kansas. Don't feel bad. There was a lot of money spent against this amendment. And Benny and I were talking. I, I think that one of the reasons it didn't pass was because it was so convoluted. You you didn't know, okay, if I vote yes, am I voting for abortion or against abortion? Now, this is what you were voting on. This would have been added to the state constitution of Kansas, and it, it is pretty convoluted. This is the wording. Regulation of abortion, because Kansas value both women and children— the Constitution of the state of Kansas does not require government funding of abortion and does not create or secure a right to abortion. To the, expen- per- to the extent permitted by the Constitution of the United States, the people through their elected state representatives and state senators may pass laws regarding abortion, including but not limited to laws that account for circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest or circumstances of necessity to save the life of the mother. <laughs> I mean, okay, If do I vote yes or no? Am I voting for abortion or against abortion? Was that a political statement or was that? A- <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, it, it was, I, I think part of it, now it, it failed by, I can't remember what the percentage was. I think it was like 55 to 45%. It's pretty much slammed up. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was, it wasn't close. And I'm not saying this is all the reason, but it, it, it was a little ambiguous as in, in terms of uh, how it was uh, how it was spelled out but how, how would this be carried on the major networks um, oh this would be carried big time as oh look the people of kansas a conservative state have spoken clearly that they are all about abortion and it shows how out of touch the united states supreme court is with the american people or should it be so that see see it's the state's decisions to decide on this this isn't a federal issue well it should be yeah i mean that, it should be to me that's where the Republicans should come off and say, look, it, you know, the people of Kansas decided, people of Kansas decided, Great and, point. and, uh, and we'll, we'll wait to see what the other states decide. To Great do. point. And Kansas is a fairly conservative state too. So if this didn't pass in Kansas, yeah. And I'm sure there'll be other states that, and again, this doesn't necessarily, this was, uh, the other thing to note about this, this wasn't necessarily a vote in favor of abortion as much as, no, we don't want to st- change our state constitution as related to that. Oh, um, okay. You want to text him back, and we'll get to that story. Sure. Okay. Very good. Um, 
we do want to. We've got a story coming up out of uh, uh, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, uh, talking about uh, adopting a resolution affirming the school's commitment. Uh, we're trying to get Marty Cotis on the on the line, uh, who's a member of that uh, that that board. Before we get to that, though. Uh, it, making national news is this story out of RDU about this North Carolina pilot who I'm sure you've heard about who either jumped or fell from an airplane uh, over the weekend. Uh, Charles Hughes Crooks, 23, was flying at co-piloting a 10-person aircraft, which is primarily used for cargo. And uh, he either fell to his death or jumped to his death back on July the 29th, which would have been what last Friday. Uh, it was unclear whether he fell out of the plane or jumped out of the plane, according to Fox News. There is a cell call that has been released now, 911 call from the air traffic controllers that indicates that the pilot who ended up landing the plane, uh, the plane veered off the runway and onto uh, some of the grass that accompanies the runway. Uh, according to this call, the pilot indicated to the aircraft, uh, the air traffic controller, who then called to 911, that Charles Hugh Crooks jumped from the airplane. Now, whether that now you can imagine, you know, the 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 panic in the voice, the adrenaline in the voice, and the confusion over the situation after you've just crash landed an airplane. <clears throat> that uh, there, there very well could be some confusion. Uh, it, it would. It, it seems much more bizarre that this young man, who his his dad said, "Look, he had he had everything to live for. Why would he have done this? It doesn't make any sense." Twenty three years old. It does. It doesn't make any sense that he would that, have jumped. That, that's a weird story. When I just heard it and I saw the image of the plane, because it was a cargo type plane, right. looked like it could be a plane where you have <clears throat> where you have paratroopers and or you know that type of thing, acrobatics. I said, you know what. I, I, and, and with his age, I was thinking they might have been trying some kind of YouTube streaming stunt or something. But I guess I was probably My, wrong my first it. thought was, I mean, apparently this plane's got a cargo door in the back of it. My first thought was he is, and they were having trouble with the landing gear, that he was trying to get a visual of the landing gear to see if it was a halfway down. Was yeah. Like, leaned, mm-hmm. leaned too far out and slipped and fell. Carolina Journal is reporting the Board of Trustees for the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, has unanimously adopted a resolution affirming the school's commitment to academic freedom and freedom of speech on campus. Quote, our universities particularly should be the place where we expect the freedom to challenge the status quo in both society and amongst the folks in the institution itself. We should expect this to be a place where we are encouraged to understand and articulate positions other than our own, in a fair and honest manner. This was the words of the vice chair of the uh, board there, John Pryor. Uh, The vote, which happened last week, um, it was a result of a survey, which is not necessarily surprising. The survey queried randomly selected students at a cross-section of UNC system schools, including North Carolina Chapel Hill, Appalachian State, North Carolina Central University, and UNC Greensboro. Although the report concluded that faculty generally do not push political agendas. Hmm, really? (laughs) (laughs) Campuses still do not consistently achieve an atmosphere that promotes free expression, and students who identify as conservative face distinctive challenges. 
a greater proportion of conservative students felt uncomfortable giving honest opinions in class on issues such as race, police, immigration, and masks. Liberal students felt the most comfortable sharing their viewpoints, with moderate students falling in the middle. On the question of which students are most engaged, the survey found that students who were less open-minded, less adapt at perspective talking, or perspective taking, I should say, and more likely to harbor negative stereotypes, felt the most freedom to speak out. Uh, Board of Trustees member Marty Cotus said, we talk a lot, a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity also means diversity of opinions and freedoms to explore thoughts. I just feel like we could say it's the most critical issue on right now, and certainly is amongst the conservative and certainly is among conservative families out there when they're deciding where to send their children to school. Uh, that was the words of Marty Cotis. Marty's on the line with us right now. Marty, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you with us again to talk about this issue, which you have been uh, an advocate for for some time. Yeah, sure have. You know, and this was really driven, um, like you said, because of that survey, but also um, Trustee Perrin Jones was um, very instrumental in this and um, Trustee Pryor as well uh, in advancing this. And it was a unanimous vote by the uh, board to adopt this. Is is a a unanimous vote from the board rare on anything? I mean, I would would think that's not the usual case, as large as the board is. And and this is a pretty controversial subject, I would think. Yeah, you know, I I think um, uh, our board... You know, we had a chance to discuss this. There was some uh, back and forth on it. But in the end, uh, everyone wound up supporting it. So it was, uh, you know, it's an important topic. It's um, when we start thinking about how divided the country can be at times. uh, It's in this environment where people are afraid to speak their mind for fear of having it, you know, bit off by uh, someone else. And uh, it was very disconcerting. Actually, you mentioned the, the finding that they found was that professors didn't push political agendas, but the question that was actually asked was, um, do, does the professor encourage participation from both uh, liberals and conservatives alike? And, and um, that somehow translated to they didn't push political agendas. I, I take issue with that. I, uh, yeah, I yeah, question, big time. The question doesn't necessarily equate to that finding. Um, but really the most disconcerting part of that was that 74% of conservative students at Carolina uh, felt like they would be judged uh, poorly by their peers if they spoke their mind. And these were conservative students. Mm-hmm. And those same, that same group of conservative students, uh, 57% of them felt like they would receive a lower uh, opinion or grade from their professor uh, if they spoke their minds as well. How do you stop that? I mean, I understand that you, you, the official position of the board can be, you know, we want to be open and tolerant. I understand that. But how do you get into the classroom and how do you make sure that the professor indeed not just wants everybody to participate? I'm, I'm sure, uh, listen, if you've got an agenda, you want the opposition to express themselves so that you can, and as a tenured professor versus a freshman, who is, you know, 18 years old and you're 58 years old with tenure, yeah, you're going to make that young man or young woman perhaps look foolish when they speak up. How do you make sure that doesn't happen? 
You know, that that's a tough one. And I think you can do that through, you know, during the time that we were all on Zoom. You could, you could audit a class to see if any of that's going on. But, um, you know, I think it's important for us to understand at the university that diversity of thought and varied opinions is kind of what we're all about right uh, right? I mean you bring people in to explore ideas not to buy into the you know one concept and that's what everyone has to adopt or any sort of compelled speech Um, and like any good uh, dinner party let's say you want to encourage discussion and and set some ground rules and make sure people behave themselves rather than uh, you know going you know resorting to blows so, uh, you know, I think the, the role of the professor should be to guide the conversation along, but to explore different viewpoints and to welcome them and not, uh, not let other students necessarily just jump on and ridicule the other side or, or uh, berate them. And sometimes that spills outside of the classroom onto social media as well. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Marty, this has been in one of your quotes in the Carolina Journal. It you know, said one of the critical issues, you know, certainly among conservative families, you know, trying to decide where, where to send their children. And, and, I, and I have, just from my experience, you know, I have a lot of friends, and I'm at the age, college-age kids. A lot of friends are either kids are in college or just recently out. But I have seen specific instances, one at UNC Chapel Hill where – you know, a friend of mine's daughter wanted to go there her entire life and, uh, you know, went on tours and, of course, been accepted everywhere in the country pretty much and said that, you know, I, I can just tell they're not going to tolerate my my view on the world. And, uh, you know, I mean, how, how is, you know, a board member and us as taxpayers prevent that from happening? Because, per, you know, personally, I'd like to hear people that, that I don't agree with because that's the only way to learn. Now, I want them to be tolerant of my opinion, and I'm going to be tolerant of their opinion. But how do we – how do we, uh, you know, as university leaderships uh, across our, our 16-member system and, and just as alums and taxpayers, how do, we, how do we start that culture where, you know, ideas are welcomed? You know, it's tough. And also in that study, they, they basically showed that conservatives and moderates were more open to uh, being friends with people with differing opinions. Uh, so a conservative might uh, be willing to be friends with liberals out there, but the liberal group studied was not very likely to uh, want to spend time with conservatives. So it's it's almost a shunning of sorts yeah. um, that's going on, and that that's tough for you know young kids that are just coming in. Let's say you're 18 year old and you're coming off to college for the first time. If you feel like if you speak your mind, you're going to um, be excluded. <clears throat> that's a tough spot for them to be in. And I I think it's just trying to teach kids to be more open to diversity of opinions. They seem to have gotten the concept of being open to diversity of um, everything else, but uh, opinions they seem to be lagging behind on. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see, if we're talking about diversity classes, maybe diversity is welcoming other perspectives. I, th- I think the uh, most of the diversity classes have a different agenda than that. I appreciate what you just said. Unfortunately, I, I seriously doubt if your quote diversity classes are uh, that that kind of diversity. I, I'd have to. Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of examples where it's more compelled speech. Yeah, um, and and that's really 
you know, that that's the crux of this issue. When we're talking about free speech, it's uh, freedom to speak your mind. Of course, that doesn't mean freedom from any consequences of speaking your mind, saying what you want. People can think whatever they want of you, but um, not compelled speech where you feel like you have to say something or um, you're censored in a significant way. Um, and, that, you know, part of that, the other part of the what happened in that, in that resolution was making sure that the institution remained neutral so that it didn't become the university had an opinion. Uh, should have opinions, but not necessarily the university itself um, or people speaking on behalf of the university um, so that more diversity of opinion is encouraged. To that end, would that apply to outside speakers coming in, Um, you know, someone speaking on behalf of uh, college Republicans or college Democrats that that might have a stronger opinion on certain issues? Would it apply to that, that those people would be welcome? It it would not affect that at all. It's more like the university putting out a statement on something or taking a position as a whole, not different groups. Uh, There was a actually... The encouraging part of this was that um, students were were very interested in hearing diverse viewpoints from different speakers. Now, I don't know if that was so they could go and yell and scream at the (laughs) speakers or (laughs) listen to them, but they were interested in seeing more uh, speakers on campus and acknowledge that there, there were not as many conservative voices on campus. Right. Yeah, yeah, Marty, I think, and of course I won't get you to comment on this because you probably can't, but I know yesterday was reported about Governor Cooper filing a brief in support of UNC's admission policies. And in Governor Cooper's statement we talked about yesterday, one of his statements was, you know, state, he said state workforce and the next generation of state leaders in government work better when it looks like the people it represents. And I talked about that yesterday. I just thought that was a that, that's a bad statement and a bad example for our young people to to think that we we need to look at people that look like them i mean i'm all for diversity of ideas and 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 opinions and experiences to your point earlier but when we have leaders in north carolina make those kind of statements you know what what is our young people going to do they're going to look up to the leaders in north carolina and what they say and what what they say matters uh yeah i'm i'm very much opposed to quotas i had a motion in one of the first meetings when i transitioned to the board of trustees from the board of governors that uh, was an anti-discrimination um, uh, motion that said we will not discriminate against anyone uh, based on um, a variety of factors and that that would apply to admissions, hiring, and contracting. So there would be no discrimination nor preferential treatment. Um, much of what the Students for Fair Admissions case kind of centers on as well, because when you Put your thumb on the scale for one group based on an arbitrary uh, measure, you wind up often taken away from another group. Exactly. Um, and I feel like next year, if 100% of the best candidates, let's say, are female, or 100% of the best candidates are male that are applying for the school, then that's what it should be. You, you don't you don't choose to discriminate trying to create some quota system uh, for um, – it should be – individual merit and you shouldn't handicap someone um how did your motion go what happened to your motion uh, i think ali ray was the only one that voted with me and uh, so 
I think I think oh, well, we yeah, talked yeah, to you on yeah, that yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's yeah, right. We yeah, we right. we had you on to talk about that at the yeah. time. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. The um, well, I would say this: if if y'all admitted a hundred percent women to the university, it would make the guys try harder and get the grades up, and then they get in the next year. <laughs> you know, some people talk about the only issue with the uh, gender um, uh, changes out there is it affects sports pretty significantly too because of uh, Title Nine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, again, sometimes when the gut. I'm not a fan of uh, government getting involved to try and fix things. I think they usually mess things up when they start setting these rules and standards out there for um, quotas or um, or programs. Um, it's better to let uh, free market a little bit more control. Marty, thank you for being a voice of common sense on the UNC board. I, we do appreciate it, and thanks for joining us this afternoon. Glad to. Keep thank up the good work. Marty. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast and passing, passing clouds. Passing clouds. Low of 76 tonight. Uh, tomorrow, intervals of clouds and sunshine. A stray shower is possible. High around 95. Uh, again, a few clouds tomorrow night. A low on 74. And uh, Friday, more of the same. Pretty much uh, every day this week is going to be hot with uh, partly cloudy skies and a slight chance of uh, passing shower and low in the mid-70s every night. Hot. Hot. Somebody sent me a message last night because I always talk about liking the weather and, uh, of course, like the summertime weather in Montana and Idaho. And he said, well, just for your information, it was 104 today in Montana, and if you wait a few months, it will be 140 degrees cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's about right. Vin Scully. Vin Scully, the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, play-by-play guy for seven decades, died last night, 94 years old. His last baseball game, his last play-by-play was when he was 88, six years ago. And uh, he he has uh, seen a lot of baseball. Started out uh, back, let's see, he was born in 27, uh, he went to Fordham University, b- uh, born in New York, started out with the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers, went with the, the Dodgers when they went out to L.A. in 1958. Uh, he was the youngest person to ever broadcast a World Series game in 1953. Final broadcast was back in 2016. He was, uh, he was smooth. He was silky smooth. You know, my favorite call of his was, uh, the, I believe it was the 88 World Series, uh, Dodgers versus A's, when Kirk Gibson came in hurt to pinch hit in the in the ninth inning and hit, home uh, run. hit a home run off Eckersley. And, yeah. uh, I mean, that, that call was just yeah. – and I, I wasn't a Dodgers fan. I'm a, I was a National League fan, uh, so I was kind of pulling for the Dodgers. But that, that call to me was just – probably one of the best in sport best moment in sports really i mean it was just kind of like storybook stuff he uh, did the play-by-play of hank aaron's 715th home run which uh, broke the record um don larson's world series perfect game and kirk gibson's 1988 world series home run i'd forgot that he did the don larson game wow yeah yeah man he was around a long time he was Hmm. seven decades that's as old as most people live (laughs) But, you know, it's great that someone can, what, do what they love and get paid for it to 88 oh, yeah. years old. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's, uh, 
And he sounded, he really sounded as young that last game as he did 20 years earlier. I mean, he just, he never lost his enthusiasm for the game. Of course, he did retire, but uh, 88 will uh, will let you do that. Where was he Where was he from again? Well, he was born in New York. New York. Okay. And, of course, he spent most of his career out in uh, L.A. with the Dodgers. Uh, Business Insider, along with a number of other media outlets, is reporting that Representative Jackie Warlisky, Walorski, I guess is how you pronounce Walorski, it, Walorski yeah. from Indiana, was killed in a car accident last night. She and uh, three of her staff were in a head-on collision. The driver of the other car also lost their life. Today, we lost one of our greatest members. The Republican Study Committee said in a statement, Jackie Walorski lived a life of uh, public service, a friend to all who knew her. Kevin McCarthy confirmed the reports that she passed away. Uh, Sheriff Jeff Siegel said the 58-year-old representative was an SUV traveling southbound when it was hit head-on by another car just after 12.30 p.m. All three occupants of her car passed away, as well as the uh, driver of the other car. Mm. Uh, House Minority Whip Steve Scalise recalled her as a dear friend who loved serving her state. She was a devout Christian, a passionate advocate for life, and a leader among Hoosiers everywhere. Uh, Jackie did want to serve uh, those were the words from her fellow uh, representative, Jim Banks, former Vice President uh, Mike Pence, who is from Indiana, uh, said he and his wife were heartbroken over the news, as well as uh, Pete Buttigieg, who was uh, the previous mayor of South Bend, Indiana, added his condolences. And actually, that was this afternoon, 1232, so that's right after lunch today, 1232 p.m., right? I was thinking it was last night. Let me double check. I was thinking it was 1230 last night, but I guess you're right. Um, yeah. yeah, 1230 p.m. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was that was earlier today. Yeah, Correct. my thanks for catching that. Yeah, lunchtime today. And I think she was uh, House Ethics Committee, so yeah. mm, sad, really sad. We get taken the time out. We get back though. Uh, Paul Pelosi is in the news and some interesting uh, new information about his um, – court hearing and uh, who will be overseeing it can you say a little hanky panky going on i think so <laughs> stay with us we'll be right back news and views he's kind of a diva he's absolutely fascinating consummate gentleman spy irresistible to women deadly to his enemies a legend in his own time you won't believe what he's going to say next on talk 96.3 and 103.7 here's tom lemprick welcome back again tom benny clark and you and uh paul pelosi is uh, back in the news the uh husband of nancy pelosi i mean paul pelosi and nancy pelosi i wonder between the two of them do they buy their liquor in 50 gallon drums that's an appropriate question for you guys <laughs> clark if you didn't key that one up i was gonna be upset <laughs> i will do anything for a drink <laughs> yeah what, what was the uh, headline from uh that you showed me before the program started uh from the uh, babylon b uh, Nancy Pelosi was uh, fearful. Oh yeah, she can- she uh, she canceled her trip to Taiwan when intelligence says that Ch- China has a a, a vodka seeking missile or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Paul Pelosi, the husband of the speaker, pleaded not guilty today. Uh, he didn't show up, by the way. He, he sent his attorney in to plead not guilty to his May 28th car crash in Napa Valley. Uh, the attorney, Amanda Bevins, entered the plea. At the time, he ran his Porsche into a Jeep, totaling both cars. He was unsteady on his feet. His speech was slurred, and he had a strong odor of alcoholic beverage emanating from his breath, now, according to the complaint. Now, is that, you sure that's not Nancy? You sure that's not Nancy in uh, House Chambers? That's what I'm saying. When you buy your liquor in a 50-gallon drum, Pelosi, who faces two misdemeanor charges, DUI causing injury and driving with a blood alcohol of 0.08% causing injury, will remain free on his own recognizance. Recognizance. <laughs> he's, he's out on his own. Let's put it that way. Uh, he's due back in court on August the 23rd. Paul Pelosi allegedly had drugs in his system as well, slurred his word uh, uh, words, attempted to give officers a police courtesy card at the time of his arrest. So when they arrested him, <laughs> instead of handing them his license and vehicle registration, he hands him a card that brags about the fact that uh, he is a big donor to 11-99 Foundation, a charity that supports police officers. Uh, some that might look is at the, the big red flag. Some might look at that as a bribe, but <laughs> yeah. or at least uh, was he trying to sway the officers? He was unsteady on his feet. His speech was slurred. He had a strong odor of alcohol. There were also major injuries suffered to the driver of the other car, a 2014 Jeep. However, the biggest news, besides the fact, and, and one of the officers said he was obviously drunk. He just put it bluntly, the guy was drunk. But the big news is the judge at Paul Pelosi's schedule arrangement, uh, arraignment, I should say, it yeah, might be an arrangement. arrangement. It probably yeah. is an arrangement. No, that, yeah, that was, that was not a 40 little slip. That was the truth. <laughs> He, uh, suddenly, the judge has been replaced. Mm. The original judge has now been replaced. This was broken by uh, Jesse Waters from uh, Fox News. Cameras have suddenly been removed from the courtroom. A live feed of the ongoings in the court have been prohibited. The night before the hearing, the presiding judge had been mysteriously replaced, stepped down, a new judge had been installed. The new judge, her name is Mon um, Monaquique um, Langhorn, a registered Democrat whose previous job she used to work at the Napa County DA's office. Oh, gosh. Does Judge Langhorn have any experience in criminal cases? The answer is no. This is going to be her first criminal case. And it gets better. Who donated to the judge campaign? the assistant DA who is going to be prosecuting the case. Oh, my goodness. As well as the DA herself. So both of them contributed to her campaign. She's well-connected. She was appointed to a special advisory board by Gavin Newsom. So, I mean, this is a total stacked deck. I don't think Paul Pelosi has anything to worry about. I mean, this her his attorney... This woman I just mentioned uh, at the top of the story, Amanda Bevins, I mean, she's got to have a big smile on her face. She knows all she's got to do is show up 
and uh, he's going to be out scot-free. <clears throat> and before you know it, she'll be on the California Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is and listen, I, I'm sorry. This is so typical of what you see every time someone who is connected in a high office and is a liberal suddenly the rule of law doesn't matter it just dissipates it just is thrown out the door no no and if this was uh someone with the trump family or some high-ranking republican the, the lead story tonight on every single news station would be hey the fix is in you know the fix is in judges judges swap republican donor judge you know sits in for uh you know a trump family members dui oh, yeah. conviction or oh, something yeah. it, it would be oh, all yeah. over the news yeah uh, and you're not going to be able to find this one on the news we, we we're joking about the babylon b article uh the satirical website that <laughs> their article yesterday said nancy pelosi cancels taiwan trip over fears of china china's newly developed vodka seeking missile <laughs> In which you know Nancy's kind of known for when she takes these congressional trips, the the liquor bill on the plane is always out of sight. Oh, as as speaker, she gets a private Air Force jet oh, yeah. to go back and forth from mm-hmm. San Francisco to um, to Washington, and it's the taxpayer that stocks the liquor bar <laughs> in the jet. Mm. And I remember there's there was a story out when. Um, she was speaker before, and then you know she got bumped when the uh, uh, the House was taken over by Republicans, and hopefully she'll get bumped again this this uh, next go round. But there was a story out that we covered that the Air Force talked about how when she was speaker, the liquor bill to stock that plane was astronomically higher than when the Republican was the speaker. Yeah, there was one report. It was like a short trip, like a you know a, a national you know. From here to Chicago or from here to whatever, it was a, you know, uh, something within the United States. I mean, it was like a $1,000 liquor bill just for like a three-hour flight or two-hour oh, flight. I'm, I'm it, sure it, it's, not, it's not any cheap stuff. No. <laughs> if you ever go to the ABC store, uh, yeah, it's it's the stuff that... Uh, and, you know, she's got a... You look at her, she's got a vodka tan, too, you know. I mean, she's... she's I think she's hammered most of the time. <laughs> I mean, you know what a vodka tan is. I mean, you've seen it. Don't have one. I got friends that's got them. I mean, yeah. (laughs) So speaking of ignoring the law, we got to take one more break, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead and take a break because I got one more story about how Joe Biden is just totally ignoring the law that's on the books. It's clear. And yet Democrats just ignore it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. washed his hands so many times he can now see the answers to his tests from high school uh those aren't the right answers and you never know what to expect with tom lamprecht on talk 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in news and views for a uh, wednesday it is wednesday right yeah <laughs> wednesday this week is flying by um joe biden has signed what happened yeah, that's what we'd like to know. By the way, he's he's still in uh, lockdown. Yeah, tested positive again today, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was really interesting because, you know, he he was he tested positive, then he tested negative, and he came out strutting like a peacock. Oh, I'm so much stronger than Donald Trump. Yeah, this may be. Three days later. This may be their start of um, 
you know, you just getting rid te- of Joe. Yeah, just keeps testing positive. He finally says, "Look, due to my health, you know, I, I, I think it's time for me to step aside. This might be it." So anyway, Cousin Eddie signed an executive order today that would provide for tax-funded abortions. Now, listen, the law is very clear. The Hyde Amendment is, they they tried to get rid of it. The the Dems have tried to get rid of it, but it's still in the books. The Hyde Amendment makes it real clear. You don't spend federal tax money from being used to fund abortions. White House Press Secretary Jean-Pierre, Jean-Pierre, said during the daily briefing, that the order paves the way for Medicaid to pay for abortions for women having, to, women having to travel out of state. The order directs Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra to consider advancing access to reproductive health care services, including through Medicaid, for patients who travel out of state for reproductive health care services. Becerra will invite states to apply for Medicaid waivers to allow them to provide reproductive health care to women who live in states where abortions are banned. Jean-Pierre said the waivers will pay for the actual abortion procedures, but she had a few additional details to offer. So the Medicaid waiver, from what I understand, is for them to pay for abortion procedure, and I don't have specifics on the travel. But, but again, and, and they come out, I mean, and they were asked by uh, Owen Jensen from uh, the Catholic News Network, why Biden, a Catholic, wants to force taxpaying Catholics to subsidize abortions. So federal law makes it clear doctors must provide women emergency medical care, including abortion services, to stabilize women facing life-threatening conditions, Jean-Pierre responded. We are working to ensure that pregnant women whose lives are in serious jeopardy receive the care they need. They already receive the care they need. (laughs) Every one of these states that has outlawed abortion, it is outlawing elective abortion. Every one of these states, even Alabama— that's probably got one of the most restrictive abortion laws on uh, pro-life anti-abortion laws on the books. Even they have an exception. If the life of the mother is in danger, you do the necessary triage to save the life of the mother. Every one of these states has this. I mean, th- this is a crock. And yet, at the, and, and the law is very clear. You do not spend federal funds on abortion. But does it matter? Not if the Democrats are in charge. And their attitude is, well, take us to court. Take us to court. We've got plenty of money to to pay our lawyers to defend us. Take us to court. Again, we need to get to the point in our country when somebody like this breaks the law in such a brazen manner that they are personally held responsible for breaking the law total frustration well you know it's uh i think it's the only thing the democrats have to hold on to to the midterms is i mean they're going to try to ride this anything dealing with abortion they're going to try to ride it to the midterms to help with turnout and you know to the we talked about earlier about the kansas uh you know law yesterday that was voted uh, the amendment to the constitution Constitution in kansas you know the more i think about it um I hadn't looked at any turnout numbers, but you know it's it's middle of summer voting. They were voting on some other things, but it's still middle of summer. Yeah, and to put something like that on the, I mean, why why not wait till November when you know the turnout's better? Yeah. So to me, yeah. that's that's a little suspicious. But well, maybe they thought a low turnout would help their cause. I don't know. That's what I think. I don't know. Yeah. 
New York Post is reporting the Batgirl movie has been shelved. They spent 70 to $90 million making this movie. It is complete. And apparently, like all movies, they do test runs. They take it out and let audiences take a look at it and give them feedback. Now, you got to understand that this Batgirl movie uh, features a transgender character. <laughs> you are kidding me. No, I hadn't heard this. No, no. no this, this came out today <clears throat> in the New York Post. Transgender <clears throat> character. Um, the people that sat, had a chance to preview the movie said it is irredeemable. It's terrible. <laughs> it's not worth it's, it's just bad. It is just bad. So anyway, make a long story short, uh, the new uh, folks that own uh, Universal, HBO, Slash Max, I, they've all kinds of mergers going on. Um, they are taking this irredeemable film and just sticking it on the shelf. That's not going to be released. 70 to 90 million dollars so i saw due to two different price tags it's done it's complete it's ready to show and they're just going to put it on the shelf that's how bad it is so so the name of the movie was batwoman batgirl batgirl and was it it was a dc character first first trans character in one of these dc movies so a person that was hmm, yeah who would watch that well here's the thing when the, the test audience thought it was awful calling it irredeemable and listen this is there there's bad girl if you're watching on video when you attempt to use your entertainment venue as an opportunity to promote your woke garbage which nobody is really interested in when you want to shove it down the consumer's throat listen people go to the movies to escape that kind of garbage not to not to have it force fed on them of course people are going to say it stinks Hmm. Uh, progressives uh, the american consumer is not interested and having your garbage shoved down our throat. Would you get that? 80 million out down the drain. <laughs> for them, it's probably no big deal. Anyway, sorry for all you Batgirl fans, but uh, that's how it is. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow. Play a little political trivia. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.